There are many wonderful people adding to the positive outlook of a backcountry and hunting lifestyle. Our goal is to join them in promoting that outlook. Welcome to the Backcountry Dreaming Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and tactics of backcountry pursuits. Hey guys, Brian and Joe here tonight, and we've got a guest with us. Chad Fix is with us tonight. We're going to talk about waterfowl on this episode. And uh, Chad, we wanted to have you out. We look up to you as a waterfowl hunter. Got awesome posts, awesome stories. Chad does uh, some blogging where he shares some of his adventures and stuff. So maybe you guys have seen some of that or heard about Chad before or maybe friends with him on social media. But tonight we're going to focus in specifically on waterfowl. Chad's got a lot of knowledge in the area. So Joe and I are just going to kind of pick his brain and go over some stuff. But Chad, why don't you kind of take it away with um, your outdoor biography a little bit, just kind of how you got into wanting to be in wild places and do, do wild things. Yeah. Uh, that started Back when I was about six years old, we moved to, uh, well, close to a park reserve. And my dad was the one that actually got me full-blown into it. I, back in the day, he used to just go out on the creek behind his house and catch butterflies and shoot squirrels and whatever. <laughs> so <laughs> he got into duck hunting uh, and that translated into going grouse hunting and then translated into, uh, back in the day, he used to archery hunt out in Maple Grove. Well, that all got developed. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't actually get to experience that with him. I was really looking forward to that. But he would take me out from time to time to go deer hunting. I would just sit in one of his stands and watch deer. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and also I I went on a couple of goose hunts with him. And, uh, I never went duck hunting with them though. Hmm. And all that time. And I kind of get why, uh, because as you guys probably know, since you both waterfall hunt, it gets cold and it gets cold in a hurry. Yeah. And a, yeah. a kid, I mean, I don't have any kids, but a kid can get cold yeah. really quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. for me, it's, it was, it was just waiting for that garage door to open up. And seeing what he came home with. That's awesome. And there was always this, and it was it was more than just shooting mallards in, in Minnesota. Uh, there was decoys uh, that were different than mallards. Oh. And it was, he had sacks and sacks and sacks and sacks of diver decoys. Mm. And you, you just don't, you don't see that. Oh. And... He he gave me that mentality. It's I I look at it as more of a waterfowler's eye where you're driving down the road and deer hunters they they're looking for fields. Yeah, yeah. they're yeah. looking at yeah. you know the oak stands and stuff like that. And it's like that's where I'm going to put my deer stand. <laughs> yep. Where with me it's what's in that pond, what's in that lake, what's flying. Yeah. It's just you're you're just zeroed in on yeah. everything that's water. Yep, and that's how I kind of got hooked into the whole thing. And then he did taxidermy as a hobby. So I was down in his shop 
playing with duck eyes and heads and <laughs> watching him <laughs> do stuff. So he, he actually got me into it. And when I finally was able to actually hold a shotgun at 12 years old and legally go, we did it. And it, that has just reigned supreme with yeah. everything. Yeah. It's funny when you talk about like watching the sky and everything else, my wife used to get so pissed when we were driving somewhere, because every time I saw birds, it'd be like, you see those ducks yep. over there? Yep. Did you see those? Those are bluebills. Yeah. Those are golden eyes. Yep. You know, and she would, she'd get so annoyed. And now it's kind of, you know, I've gotten away from duck hunting for the most part. I still do it and I still love it, but I don't do it the same way. So now it's like, I'm like you said, I'm watching fields and yep. I'm seeing deer in the field. And which reminds me, this is going to be a complete squirrel trail. But last week when I was driving out to Woodbury on Sunday morning, to go do a side job for my brother and I drive I'm driving through Oakdale and then there's this little like swampy area off to the side of 94 there and I just saw a patch of brown and then there was a tree so I quick turned my head there was an absolute giant down there in velvet not even fully grown yet and this thing was bigger than any deer I've seen in the wild he oh, was man. a monster, and I said, that deer's never going to get killed unless it's a car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's in the right spot. Yeah, you got to get signed up for, do they have uh, Metro Honey They do there? have Metro Honey. I don't know if they do there, because it was literally like a, a pond, like swampy area in oh, a ditch. They just know. Uh, yeah. It, it, they're they smart. Know. They're way too smart. Yeah. <laughs> man. Yeah, that's awesome. That It's cool to kind of... We always want to, with everybody that we have on or, or even ourselves, it's, I feel like that's kind of, and we could maybe touch on this right off the bat, just coming off your story and how you developed as a waterfowl hunter and, and as an outdoorsman, how important that is and how important it is for us to find people that maybe don't have a dad mm-hmm. or a grandfather or, a, or someone that's gotten them involved. And I, I mean, one of the things I was thinking about before we started the podcast is how many people have I taken into the outdoors, whether it's hunting or to the boundary waters or somewhere like that, that afterwards they're not hooked to it. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I can't think of one person that I took out with me, whether deer hunting or turkey hunting or waterfowl hunting or whatever it might be. And them not, and them thinking, Oh, that was cool. I won't do that again. See, and, and I can... was looking to do it again. Yeah. yeah. And I can come at it from a little bit of a different angle because I've taken a lot of people out, especially duck hunting, because mm-hmm. it's an easy thing to get somebody into. Social too. It's social, and it's that's kind of what got me back into hunting was the right. fact that duck hunting was so social, and that's you can where talk. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's where I got so so yeah. obsessed with hunting again in my later years, and I took out. I mean, during that time, I bet you I took out at least five guys a year that had never been, yep. and then I, one year I took two kids out for youth, and. Th- it was an amazing hunt. They mm-hmm. limited out in an hour and a half, and they were down to one gun after the first half hour. Mm-hmm. Every one of them was obsessed with it and kept doing it for a couple of years and then just faded out of it. Yep. And, and it was like, you know, I, I get that we need to mentor them and get them started, but I think one other thing we need to touch on too that a lot of people don't talk about is it's, it, it's something that has to – you have to keep nurturing Right. Mm-hmm. Until yep. they yeah. get confident enough to go out on their own. Yeah. Until they can, yeah. you know, I've given guys spots and everything, and it, it's just not enough. You have to go out with them almost. And it's, I don't know, it, it's just strange how that works to me. Because it's well, like I had one guy take me out duck hunting one time, 
I left the pond and bought decoys and yeah. I was back there the next day by yep. myself just going. Yeah. <laughs> well, we take it for granted because all three of us have had, had father figures yeah. that have nurtured us since we can remember. Mm -hmm. So think of how many years we have into yeah, right. being nurtured and carried along with outdoor things. Yeah. And then, you know, and then of course we get to a certain point where we just make the decision. I can do this on my own Yeah, and it's going to be a lifestyle I choose. And like, yeah. So like you say, when you take someone out once or twice, or even for a year, just to remember how many years of doing this we have, yeah. Yeah. you know, and well, so I'm going to bring up my cousin because yeah. he's actually the first uh, person that I brought out. And the reason why I chose him was uh, mostly twofold. One is my uncle, uh, my dad's brother, older brother, used to go out with my dad all the time and just stopped. And so he, he raised two sons and also had a daughter and none of them knew hunting. And, uh, uh, the second, well, I'll even go even further with that. So he actually gave back his shotgun to my dad. Oh, wow. And so my, wow. my dad was like, he gave that gun to me to use. Mm. And it, it was kind of a, an interesting, in a way, an heirloom that was passed down to me through my uncle who gave it up. Yeah. And so now, it, uh, his youngest or sorry, the middle child was his youngest son <clears throat> And he is the most social person ever. I was like, there's nothing more perfect the than duck hunting, duck hunting yeah. because you can talk and talk and talk. Yeah, yeah. And 99% of the time with duck hunting, you're talking yeah. or just, yep. you know, hanging out. Yep. The 1% is you're shooting yep. yeah. or, you know, I have to stay still or something yeah. or quiet, but it's perfect for him. And I've started to, geez, I started about three or four years ago slowly easing him into that and he's using that same gun um so he can kind of get cool. that connection yeah um which then translated into him actually getting into fishing now and uh every year we're trying to i set aside a couple of weekends a year to try and bring him out yeah because that's the biggest thing is um i have a, a group of buddies that we have a, a weekend every year it's the second weekend in october and that's when the generally the ringnecks start migrating yeah. and that is, it's an unreal experience um, because usually that's when the first wave of mallard starts coming down from Canada mm. yeah. and it's to hear, to hear divers just, I mean, they tear apart the air. It yeah. sounds like, it sounds like fabric is being torn apart. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that exciting. And then, they're zipping right over your head at a million miles an hour <laughs> yeah. and they're 10 yards above your head. And you're just like, watch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah we had a, the first time I had bluebills skirt over the top of us, I jumped out of my seat. Like, right. What the hell? It sounds like a jet. Yeah. And even my buddy looked at me and was like, what was that? It's like, well, that's bluebills. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing is it, it, it gets your heart racing. Yeah. And, time. If your heart is racing, that means it's, there's a level of excitement. There's a level of, in a way, of, of adventure, of being in a yeah. wild, yeah. what you said, a wild place yeah. that can really start um, breaking down that city suburban barrier, which yeah. is what my cousin was living in sure. for yeah. his whole life. And yeah. 
Yeah. yeah it, ju- it just, it's starting to slowly break off into that. And so, <clears throat> um, I haven't given him the gun. I don't know if I will. I might. Yeah. But another aspect to try is to just, um, and I'm sure you're probably doing this Joe too, is, um, slowly ease them in the process because duck hunting is probably the hardest, yeah. uh, most excruciating thing aside from maybe going out west where you're climbing bluffs and mountains yeah. and um there's just a lot of stuff to carry yeah. and there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff to set out and the last thing you want to do at the end of the day it's the worst part you may shoot a limit of birds but it's picking up yeah like picking up sucks yeah it's horrible yeah and so you to try and make it as fun as possible but to to just ease them into it and say, you know, maybe that first hunt or two is, you know, I've got it. If you want, you can kind of follow behind and you can ask questions of why I'm doing yep. this and that. Yeah. Um, and then it's starting into, okay, well now we're in the blind situation. Clearly you have to put them in the situation where they can succeed. Yeah. You put them yeah. in the spot where they can shoot the best. It's all dependent on the wind. It's all dependent on your decoy spread. So hopefully you're, smart enough yeah. to set them up for success. Um, it's also having an awareness of being patient with yeah. them too. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of times they um, may jump the gun yeah. or they may not jump the gun at all. And they're, <laughs> they're, they're scared yeah. uh, and that's fine yeah. because they're, they're holding a shotgun that, that kills. Yeah. And if it's someone that may not have shot before, it's, it's before even the season is taking yeah. them out go shooting. Yeah. Get them acclimated to the gun and then ease them into it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And the patience thing is a good point too. Cause I've had regrets. I took my older brother out one year for opener and he rung me so bad. I was yeah. literally like standing in front of him and the barrel was like over my head and yep. he rung me so bad that I turned around and I just about punched him. I was like, what in the hell are you thinking? And yeah, and afterwards, I apologized to him and stuff because it was, I mean, it was ridiculous and very unsafe and whatever, but it was like, dude, I didn't have to blow up on him. He realizes how unsafe it was as soon as he saw me jump to the ground and right. scream at him. Yep. But, you know, it's there's certain things that that make me go off like a bomb and ringing is one of the biggest ones. But the thing is, is I do it sometimes too. Mm-hmm. You get excited, you swing and you shoot. And you're going to ring somebody sometimes. Yeah. And it's just, it's just an aspect of duck hunting and it sucks, Mm -hmm. but you know, at the same time it's going to happen. So yeah, the patience thing I think is really important because you, my older brother, he'll still come up, but it's not, he never really got into it, but that may be just my older brother. He doesn't really get into much too. So, but yeah, I've, I've gotten, and, and I've had a different kind of angle of it too. Like I said, I took out kids and stuff like that, but I took out my dad. And my dad took me out west, and he's taking me on these hunts. We went moose hunting and all this stuff. But I took him out duck hunting. Mm-hmm. Like, he never really duck hunted. He duck hunted once in North Dakota with a guide, and he didn't have a good experience because it was freezing out and raining and whatever. And so I started taking him out. Now he enjoys it. And then my little brother, as soon as he got, got back from Af- Afghanistan, I started taking him out, and he's just he's in love with it. And then he took out, like, eight or nine different guys over the years, and then he got – ended up partnering up with a guy and buying a boat and all this stuff and got really into it. And then I've taken out kids and stuff too. And it's just, it's like with anything and, and I'm in sales. So 
I should be good at it, but I'm not the greatest at it. But it's reading people and figuring out what's going to make that person tick. Like you said with your cousin, he's a social person. Mm -hmm. He likes to chat. I'm the same damn way. That's why duck hunting worked out so well for me. But like other people, some people do want to sit and be quiet. You know, I hunted with a guy that worked with me. I got him into duck hunting, and he's one of those guys that he would just sit there and be silent to a point where it was frustrating because if he saw birds, he wouldn't say anything. What? Birds would skirt out, and he'd pop That's up. counterproductive. And, yeah, he'd be, he'd be on one edge of the blind, and birds would skirt through, and he'd pop up and shoot. And he's like, what the what? hell? That's, that's the equivalent of whitetail hunting and talking out loud to each other. Right? That's what that is. That's like, yeah. It's not going to work out like yeah. that. It's not okay. That's, a, that's an interesting point is uh, there's, an, there's an aspect of blind etiquette where uh, a lot of people will go into a, a waterfalling situation, well, just a blind, and they they think, okay, well, I've got a call. I'm going to blow them on the call, and I don't care. Yeah. Um, or there's a they usually will designate a person to call the shots and this and that. But there's other aspects to it too. Um, generally, uh, motion wins the day with duck hunting. Yeah. If you can create motion in your spread, that's the best. There's nothing more important, I think, for a person that's just starting off is trying to get them engaged yeah. with it. Mm. So I'll I'll give them the jerk cord. And if we have a mark or we spot, spot a mark, it's okay, you know, now it's time. It I'll, I'll get on yep. the call or someone else that may be better than me. I don't care. Yep. If you're better than me, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's all power to us <laughs> because that means we're going to shoot more birds. <laughs> yeah. But um, if, in that, if that's the case, that's another aspect. It's, it's learning, okay, I need to be silent. Let this guy do the calling or woman. Yeah. Whoever's on the call, let them do it. But there's other aspects, too, where you're running the jerk string or even yeah. better. Um, I think this is this goes under under the radar is a, a Drake grunt call yeah. is so easy to learn. And it's so effective, um, especially especially finishing. But birds flying over the overhead and stuff, just giving a, a few grunts, too. Um, and that's something that you can ease yeah yeah a newcomer into is instead of giving a duck call which can be challenging yeah and it sounds hilarious yeah when you're trying to <laughs> learn yeah. you yeah. can give them a grunt call or a, a it's basically a duck whistle yeah for seven ten dollars yeah. cheap yeah. the cheapest thing you can buy for gear and it's a great gift to them saying hey you know you're you're finally arriving here. Yep. Here's a, there you go. Here's a whistle. This is your job. Yeah. 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 And you can, you can start it and it, it takes five minutes. Yeah. Tops. It, it's funny when you, when you do do that, cause I used to just do it with my mouth and, just, mm-hmm. and I, and I would show guys that and be like, yeah, it's, if you can do that, just do that while we're calling, you know, just kind of blow it out every once in a while or whatever. And like ducks don't make that noise. And within an hour they're like, holy crap, they actually do yeah. make that noise. Like, yeah, you don't usually hear it because all you hear is the hens going off. Yeah. But those the drakes are very social too, and they're going to talk, and they're going to let people know where they are. And Yeah. yeah so usually I've, I've kind of warned people of that. Like, yeah, you can just throw that out there and let the guys do that, and it's not going to mess anything up. Even mm-hmm. if you don't have the actual whistle, or if it's early season, just give them a whistle and tell them to toot on it a couple times. Yep. Because yeah. that's what you're going to hear. You're going to hear Teal do that or whatever. And I've even given guys wood duck calls because they're pretty hard to screw up too. Right. And it's it's just, 
yeah, like you said, getting them engaged, making them feel like they're making a difference, it goes a long way. Yeah. And I'll even ask guys that have no experience at all when I'm setting decoys, like, what do you think about putting one over here? What do you think about making this shape? And let them kind of play a part in it because I don't get hung up on decoy strategy too much. I'll usually try to make a blocker and that's about it. Everything else is make a pocket and a blocker and from there I don't care. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've seen guys that you'd bring them out there and you let them kind of throw them and they get excited when a bird wants to finish on that decoy that they tossed out. So they feel like they made a difference. Right. And you know, we all know they didn't, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. It's cool to touch on some of the ways to get, you know, and it can be younger people, but anyone involved yeah. and just kind of reading that person uh, but also, like you said, Chad, I think, I think I completely agree with you. I think waterfowl might be, I don't know what the right word for it is, it, but like you said, difficult because there are so many moving parts. And I think one of the aspects of that is depending on, depending on where you're going and what you're doing, you might have three or four people with shotguns swinging around. Mm-hmm. Right. That's something you don't have in anything else. Um, then you add water to the equation and then you add super cold to the equation and boats and dogs and, and decoys. And there's just a ton of wind, wind, wind is a yeah. huge thing. Yeah. And wind so is I, the it, most frustrating part yeah. of it. I like what you <laughs> said about sunlight, just sunlight starting too. them out slow. Yep. Yeah. You know, because there, there is, I mean, it, there's vast, there's a vast difference between what one day duck hunting can look like compared to another day. And, yep. and that, and I think it's, you know, you do other things, you kind of know what you're going to get, you know, like when yeah. I'm going to go whitetail hunting and I know it's five degrees, I just know it's five degrees and I know, okay, well, but when, when you're waterfowl hunting, there's so many different things that you have to think about, well, how's that going to affect this? And how's this going to be? And so I, that's one of the things I respect about really good waterfowl hunters, because you have to really, really focus in. I haven't met any super good waterfowl hunters that are really good at a whole bunch of other things. Yep. <laughs> no offense, Chad. They're, they're really good at waterfowl hunting. I shot a doe once. <laughs> This is my bow. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, not not to, and definitely not in a negative way, but it it takes a lot of dedication. It to, does to be really good at it, and to be somebody that I would say when I think about the people in my life, where I would say if somebody asked me, well, who would you look to, or if you could go duck hunting one day this season, who would you want to go with? There's only a few people that come to mind when I think about that, yeah. you know, and, and there's a reason for that. And, and, um, so yeah, I, I think, I think it's important to get people into this, but maybe we could touch on before we, we, uh, actually started, we talked a little bit about kind of the, the chasm between, um, guys that are really looking to be ethical in the way that they waterfowl hunt, the way that they hunt or are outdoorsmen or women in general, Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of, and I think it really boils down to, I thought about it while we were talking, it really just boils down to ego. Like you said, if, if that guy's good at calling, then we'll let him call because that means we'll get more ducks. Right. If that guy's a soup, he's bent, he's way more experienced. Maybe let him call the shots and, and I don't have to, you know, and there's things like that, that I think 
we need to take into consideration more often than not if number one, if we want to get better and learn from someone, but that we were talking before we started about like the, the right way to do it and the wrong way to do things. And there definitely is that. And we don't want to, sometimes we don't want to touch on that because we don't want to feel like we want to tell someone else what they should or shouldn't be doing. But when it comes to something as important um, and as integral to our outdoor society as how we express what we're doing, I think it's important that we touch on that. And so if you maybe a little bit want to talk about, uh, I know you wrote an article and maybe we could put that in the show notes, like a, yeah. a link to an article that you wrote about etiquette. Uh, I think it was maybe a, a year or two back. Yeah. Do you remember that a little bit about? I remember reading that and being just refreshed, like somebody's actually saying this <laughs> stuff. All this crap that you see happen when you're right. duck hunting, and somebody's actually calling it out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think the, uh, in a way, this is this will hit that point um, with duck hunter etiquette, but um, the way that I want to come across to you guys, if I hope that we go duck hunting one of these days is sign us up. Yeah. (laughs) But to other friends too, that I've actually mentioned this is, um, again, it's that blind etiquette, but it's more importantly, it's how do you handle the bird that's in your hand? How do you, how do you handle the, the deer that you shot? Yeah. Um, most people will, will grab a duck and they just grab it by the neck and they just toss it in a pile. Yeah. It's in the pile. Yeah. We just hit, we just, crush yep. that flock and yep. they just they grab it, it they dangle it around it's banging on whatever and yep. they just toss it in a pile mm. and that's done where with me i this may come across a little bit as a little ocd but i usually want to be that guy that has the bird at the end so your dog if if it you're bringing your dog out it makes the retrieve i still want that at the end because i i want to I want to hold it. I want to fold its head over the top of its back um, and put it in a, a pile either out of the way um, so people aren't tripping on it because, again, yeah. you're, you got guns right in front of you. But right. it's also I, I like them in a neat order. Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't like them looking like they're just mangled. Like it, we, we emphasize so much. Um, at least in the, the culture that we're in now, um, the hunting culture is respect the animal. Yeah. Well, well respecting the animal is, is more than just, um, having it on your dinner plate. Right. Yeah. I right. think, I think just when you said that, the first thing that came to mind is bird hunting in general. I mean, if you're upland hunting, you just shove them in a pouch. Yeah. However, they're going to get in there. It doesn't matter. You're going to shove them in there. And ducks too. I, I, I totally get your point. And I, and when you were saying that, I was thinking about the last time I was out and we got some birds. It was late season. It was the end of the season. We were breaking ice on the way out and we got some mallards and they're all drakes and they're just gorgeous looking ducks. And I sat on my bench, taking pictures of the birds, laying them out, flattening out feathers and whatever, and sat on my bench and just looked at them like, God, these things are cool. And I think part of it for me was that I hadn't gone in so long and I hadn't gotten birds in so long that I just kind of forgot how cool they were. Yeah. Cause I'm sure in the past I've gotten to a point where I'm just tossing them in a corner. Mm -hmm. But I remember when I started the pond that I started on, it was always woodies. It's woodies everywhere. And it's like, they're the prettiest damn bird. They are. And they taste phenomenal. Yep. And they're just a great bird. They decoy really well and whatever. And, 
you know, and so that was my thing into duck hunting, like falling in by shooting woodies. It was like, God, these things are really cool. And Mm -hmm. then, like I was saying before the podcast, we talked a little bit about the conservation side of it and how a lot of guys overlook it. And I started researching and I signed up for Ducks Unlimited and all this stuff. And like, and I'm just going, God, these things are way more fragile than people treat them as a species. Yeah. Like if we just go and hammer away out of them, you know, fill ponds and do all this other crap, we're going to run into big trouble. Mm -hmm. And you look at like the market hunting days and how long it took to rebound from that. And some stuff still hasn't fully rebound. Yeah. And and if you look, I mean, you go to a park and what do you see? You see mallards, at least in in Minnesota, you might not see it in other parts. Um, Out West, it might be pintails Mm -hmm. uh, or widgeon. Uh, Out East, it's mostly geese. Yeah. Um, and you just, you lose that level of respect because you're seeing them every day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, uh, I, it's, it's a running joke with my buddies that have hunted with my dad and that my dad has really instilled it in me because of taxidermy is you really, they are, as you said, Joe, they're really cool. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing is we're shooting late season mallards. And if, if you've shot late season mallards, they are. They're they're gorgeous. Yeah, they're, they're stunning. They're yeah. super cool. Yeah, and something about that emerald green they get, and the purple yeah. spot on the wing is bright, and everything about them is just really it's just, cool. It's great. And the funny thing is, my dad isn't even looking at that. <laughs> what What do you think he's looking at? He's looking at their feet. He's like, <laughs> look at the color of the. Their feet. <laughs> That's it's true because like, they get really bright. That's <laughs> a, a running joke with my buddies is if I'm on the phone with my dad and and I'm I'm around them as oh hey is he is he talking about the duck feet or something like yeah. that? Like, but yeah, I mean they're they're red orange. I mean they're vibrant, yeah. but it's like who who says that? Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's such a cool perspective. That's literally one of the coolest things I've ever heard said about maybe certain principles that carry into the rest of what you do is maybe if you just change your perspective and think about the way that you're handling the game that you're after, maybe a lot of those other things that may be issues kind of could fall into place. You know, that's one of the things I thought about because I, I, there was a time early on, I think all of us in hunting, like for me, there was a time shooting squirrels when my goal growing up when I was little was just to shoot a squirrel. And I didn't really, I didn't care about squirrels. I just wanted to shoot them. I wanted to eat them. I wanted my grandpa to be proud of me. Yeah. But then now there's this point where squirrels are just so cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, and I respect them and I know more about them because I hunt them now and I respect them more now. And I think, I think maybe right off the bat, trying to teach people people or encourage people that maybe don't have the right perspective on how to think about the game that they're after. And that being one of the ways, because I think it just carries over. I think if you're respecting the game, you're probably respecting the people you're with. You're probably respecting other sportsmen and women that are doing what you're doing. You're probably respecting the land. Right. You know, there's, I think all, a lot of those things kind of fall into place. I really yeah. like that. Yeah, I agree. And I, and the, when you started talking, I started thinking that, you know, if somebody falls in love with the animal, they're hunting to where it becomes an obsession. Kind of like you said, where you're 
every time, or like I was saying, every time I'd see a bird flying, I, I remember riding my motorcycle back when I had motorcycles and I would clock bird speeds and get next to him and just ride it and be like, oh, crap, that one's doing 45 miles per hour. And like, and you get obsessed with like the cool aspects of them. And yeah. I think maybe that's something you instill into the new hunters is you sit down and you tell them the facts yeah. of like, this bird can fly. What was it? Uh, the ring neck they tracked with a helicopter a few years back or whatever. It was doing like 115 or something at wow. some point. It I was, haven't heard that. It was <clears throat> nuts. And just like you, you, tra- you look at the facts on some of these birds and stuff and yeah. just the amazing stuff they can do. Or like we were talking when I was in the scapegoat and there was a harlequin. We were talking about how they, they will swim upstream in and basically the melt off the runoff streams that are flying they'll swim upstream underwater mm. and they'll wow. actually like contort themselves and break bones and everything doing it but they'll do it and it's just the cool stuff that these animals can do and people look at them as just a duck yeah yeah it's just a bird that floats on water lays eggs eats minnows if it's a diver eats whatever or Chews on the grass. Yeah. You know, you know or eats do- the bread that I feed them at the park. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And there's, there's so much more to them. And that's, and the, I think that for me, that's kind of like the idea of, I just heard on a podcast today, they were talking about how people have a hard time with the wild horse thing. Yeah. And it's like, you look at a wild horse and you, you don't think it's okay to shoot him because it's a horse. Mm-hmm. But if it was a deer that was overpopulated, everybody would say, go ahead and shoot it. Deer are pretty freaking cool. The shit they can do too. They're yeah, not yeah, they're the awesome. horse isn't more isn't any better than the deer in my yeah. eyes. And I think if if people look at birds that way, um, maybe there'd be a different aspect to it, or maybe people would have a maybe it would have a better outlook to the community because even like the coot stuff, you see the coot stuff where people are like, oh, yeah. I just shoot them and dump them and stuff, and it's like just swat them and let them lay and all that crap, and it's like why. So your goal is to get to the point where you shoot a duck and you're like, man, look at these feet. <laughs> yeah, like, you you yeah. get to that point and you know you've you're arrived at like the, the epitome of respecting the game. You like, ever yeah. seen a coot's feet? Awesome. They look like chickens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> I've yeah. seen them. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, when I was up in Alaska, and this is another thing, if if you're a waterfowler, is the, one of the bigger things is I would highly encourage you to get out of the state that you're in yeah. and, um, social media, you can connect with a lot of people and they'll take you out. I mean, you can just say, I'm, I'm going out to New Jersey, uh, or out to your area. Can you, um, if you're going, do you mind taking me? They're like, yeah, no problem. Yeah. But, um, when I was in Alaska, so I'm kind of detracting a little bit, but when I was in Alaska and going off, touching off of what you were saying, Joe, with, with birds and what they can do it. I was in the middle of the Bering sea in hurricane conditions. It was 80 mile an hour conditions sleet in your, I mean, it's sleeting the, the Island there's blowing debris all over the place. And you look out on the water and the ducks are just, this is home. <laughs> Chilling. It's fine. They're flying around. It's no big deal. What are you guys like, worried about? Are you up kidding there? me? How are you going to shoot? My first Harlequin was uh, was in 80 mile an hour winds. God. It was that morning. I shot my first one, and it, that changed my perspective that uh, these birds are they're amazing. Yeah, they yeah. are. The stuff they can do is, is mind-blowing. Yeah. 
And if people actually sat down and researched it, they would realize this is a pretty special bird. Yeah. Think of the physics of an animal that small just taking flight and negotiating 80 mile an hour winds or sitting on the ocean and just, I mean, they're in the same thing we would be if we were out there hunting them. Yeah. And that's just where they live. Yeah, yeah. this is deadliest catch territory. Yeah. The harbor that I was in that I actually <laughs> shot that is where they come in to drop off their crab that, they, so that cool. they harvest. And it, that's home to them. Yeah. And it, it's for king eiders and other, other species out there where it's like, this is not a big deal where there's 30-foot swells. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just researching some of the taggings. Of how far the birds fly. Yeah. Yeah. On how old they are. Completely yeah. mind Like when they were tagged yeah. and you're finding them, you're like, this bird's 15 yeah. years old. He, how many spreads has he flown over? Yeah. How many times has he been shot Some at? Some of them are in the 30s too. I've, yeah. Yeah, it's I've incredible. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. And like you said, getting out of state, I think is very important. I, I did a snow goose hunt one year and that's literally eight hours out of my house. And I was in a completely different world. Yeah. And it's springtime, so you got all the cool, the the greatest foliage of feathers you'll ever see on birds. So yep. we had shovelers flying over us, and I'm like, God, those are pretty. <laughs> yeah. And then you got, and it's a shoveler yeah. too. Those are like yeah. the, <laughs> the, the mud ducks. Of <laughs> and then, you, and then you got pintail, widgeon, mallards, you know, everything. And you got specks, and you got blues, and you got ross, and all this stuff. And it's like. It makes you realize how little you actually know. Yeah. Really quick on waterfowl, just traveling one state over. Yeah. Because the migrations of different species, they migrate in different patterns. Mm -hmm. And you could be in the Mississippi flyway, but if you're not on the west end or if you're not on the east end, you're not going to see this bird most likely. And and I think that's a great point. I think if uh, that's something I've thought about a lot lately, being that I've gotten so out of water following. And part of the reason why is just because I've taken up so much other stuff. But I've had that thought of like, maybe I should go do an out-of-state hunt. And just I've got some people offering up spots in Oregon, and I've got a guy offering up spots in California in January for specs. And like, if I go do that, would that relinquish kind of that love that I had for it? Cause I was completely obsessed with it and I've, I've gotten way away from it and, and I do miss it a lot cause mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. But at the same time, I had way more time on my hands back then. And I went, you know, the, the peak year that I did, I had hunted 35 days. Wow. And that was all That's... in Minnesota. And I would do before work, after work, whatever I had to do to get it done. But I hunted 35 days, and now it's like, I'm lucky if we went out twice last year. Yeah, I'm lucky if I go out twice, you know. And it's, it's, it's really hard to find the time for it. But it is something that still, every time I go back, I'm like, God, I need to get back to this because it is. There's something about just sitting in a marsh or sitting in in a boat and cattails or whatever, and just watching birds buzz. Yeah. It's just, I mean, even if you don't shoot anything, you're hanging out with buddies, you're bullshitting, you're just having fun, and you get to watch some of the coolest stuff you've ever seen. Right. Well, and to, to touch on, too, is, I mean, you guys hunt out west. Yeah. You, you, you're driving generally. Yeah. And you're getting the culture with every town or city that you stop in to get gas or to yeah. get food. Yeah. And the same aspect, and this is what I... I love about the diversity in a, in the U S is you can go 
a state over and it they're already talking that iowa they're already talking like they have a southern draw yeah. i'm like <laughs> yeah what in the world <laughs> what's going on <laughs> you guys yeah. eat the same corn we yeah, do yeah. yeah and but every state um every county may have just a different idea as far as how they do things yeah. how their yeah. tactics um and that's something that you can always bring back to your home state yeah. because that's the other aspect is I feel like duck hunting is maybe closely to the closest thing is maybe to fishing mm. is you're always changing. You're always changing. You're yeah. always changing it yeah. up because you don't know what the day is. You don't know how they're pattering and, or patterning. Sorry. And you, you want to get to that yeah. um, with fishing. It's, you know, it's the right time. Um, potentially the moon phase. Sometimes yeah. it's even the sun phase. Um, it's colors, it's overcast, yeah. it's yeah. barometric pressure, it's yeah. all this stuff. And it it's the same thing with, with duck hunting is there's yeah. just various indicators out there. And if you're going to the same spot with the same buddies, and no offense, I mean, go with your buddies, have fun with them, but go out and, and try to just see those other places. Yeah, yeah. get a little of that see diversity. those other birds and it, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. That's I just cool. started recently with it and it it's changed how I have approached. Oh. Yeah. That makes me think that I've gotten offered multiple times my wife's family has places up by Squaw Lake and they hunt a lot of divers up yeah. there and they hunt the river, they hunt the big fork, they hunt the lakes up there. And for years they've been asking me to come up and I'm always like, "Ah, I don't, it's too busy." But now I think about it, it's like, well, my my wife's mom is up there. She can watch the kids. So me and the kids can just run yep. up there and I can go hunt for a couple of days. So that makes me think that maybe I should do that. Cause it is, it, I've always really enjoyed hunting with old duck hunters, guys that did it for 30, 40 years. And they've gotten to a point where they don't have a set tactic. They just go out there and they just enjoy sitting back and watching the show. Yep. And that's something to me that I relate to because I, I just, I'm happy. Like when I took the kids out youth hunting, that was one of the greatest days I ever had duck hunting. And I didn't do anything but handle a dog. And it's just fun to sit back and watch the story unfold yep. and watch, you know, what the birds are doing. And you seem to get a different perspective too. If I'm sitting back without a gun, I'll notice if they're flaring because of one thing. And I can pinpoint that one thing and make a change. If I'm sitting there with a gun, I'm frustrated and I'm fired up. And I'm just like, well, well, there's nothing we can do to change this, you know, and it's, it's not that way. So yeah, I've always enjoyed going with old duck hunters. So maybe this year I'll actually finally make that move, (laughs) which is, so that's an interesting and great segue, I guess, because I brought a book called stories of the old duck hunters and other drivel. Yeah. And it's written by Gordon McQuarrie. And uh, I'm guessing a lot of people probably don't know who he is, but he's one of the um, fathers, I guess, of, um, modern, uh, outdoors journalism. Okay. Um, so he was actually, uh, really good friends with Aldo Leopold back in the day. He's from Wisconsin. Um, and his stories are, they're short stories of his experiences out in the wild, um, as a new hunter, as a new duck hunter with his father-in-law. 
Oh, who okay. is so his father-in-law is they call him the association. He's the the father-in-law <laughs> is the president. Okay. <laughs> and this is this takes place back in the 30s in 20s, 20s, 30s, 40s um and 50s. Um and it's interesting to obviously get that perspective mm-hmm. of how they hunted back in the day uh, where they didn't have outboards. Outboards really weren't popularized until I'd say maybe the f- late 40s, 50s yeah. or so. Yep. And so they're they're in rowboats and uh one of my buddies uh duck hunting buddies passed this book on to me and he said read this this story called um the day I burned the oatmeal and it it's I don't want to spoil it for anyone cuz it's it's a great story but it's um it's a perspective of how um a new hunter goes into duck hunting yeah. with with an older with a more experienced person and they they're captivated by how an older person will just embrace this completely different thing which is i mean he he grew up just hunting deer yeah yeah um squirrel yeah and grouse hunting that yeah. was his jam and then this whole th- and he did a lot of fly fishing too but duck hunting was his in a way it was his gateway drug and that that was it i mean yeah just one awesome. hunt with him and it transitioned into that and so if you if you're, if you can be that old duck, hunter, yeah. Yeah. it's like, we're all trying to, we're all trying to travel down that road to where we get to that point where everything means so much to us where the feet are the most important. Part. Yeah. yeah, again, yeah. I mean, it, it's just, it's weird. I I've even experienced that just in my personal journey in the outdoors where now, um, it means so much more when I harvest a whitetail. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm enveloped in the whole process to a greater degree. And hopefully in 20 years, I'll be even more enamored with it. And it'll mean even more to me. And I think the reality of it, I, I actually today visited an old friend that's in the hospital and, um, you know, he's having a hard time and you know, the, the future doesn't look great. And you kind of, in those moments, like it's a year, my grandfather passed away a year ago and he's the one who got me into the outdoors. And it's something that you just realize, man, this life is short. And so the beauty is in the details of things. Yep. It's not in just drifting through. It's yeah. looking at feet. Yeah. It's looking at, it literally is. It's, it's, yeah, I it's 100% agree with that. Taking notice of those small details and caring about them and treating, you know, other people with respect and, and bringing other people along with you on your journey and, and then going along with other people on their journey. I mean, I, I, I can literally say that the the place I am right now has 90% to do with people that have kind of guided me just with a little nudge here or there in certain ways to where now, I mean, I look back five years and I can't believe the things I've gotten to experience right now that five years ago, I thought this is going to be my life. It's not going to be that cool to, I'm not going to get to experience these grand things in the outdoors. And it's, it's just you just kind of continue to apply yourself and try to learn more and talk to people who have the same desires. And that's why if you're listening, um, we'll just we'll probably put it in the show notes. But stories of the old duck hunters and other drivel by Gordon McQuarrie. So that's the book Chad actually brought tonight. We have it sitting here on the table. And 
So that's kind of recommended reading. Yeah. As Chad would it's, say he he'll uh, he's one of those writers that he'll take you to that place. Yeah. And he'll he'll make you appreciate that that oak leaf. Yeah. Or walking through that aspen stand or um just the sound that a golden eye makes that whistle yeah. Yeah. overhead um and you i feel like that's lost because most um posts nowadays on on social media is their hero posts it's how many ducks it's just laying out all the ducks yeah. and it yeah. might be a, a pretty swirl of you know where they put all the the bills in a circle or something yeah. like that um, but there's more to it than that. And, yeah. um, again, the, my whole goal is that people appreciate what they're shooting, um, yeah. because a lot of friends will, they'll be out. I obviously I'm not hunting with them and I'll check in on it with, I've got a, a network of friends that it's like, well, how, how are they, how are the bird? Like, have you been out? What have you seen? Mm-hmm. Um, have you been shooting anything? Um, and they'll say, yeah, we shot you know, 10 ducks. Well, what'd you shoot? I don't know. They're ducks. We shot 10 ducks. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, first off, there's regulations for what you can shoot and can't shoot. But secondly, it's, I know with early season, it's hard to identify birds, but you, you gotta know what you're shooting. Kind of yeah. when you see those yeah. posts that get me fired up every time on the waterfall pages, it's someone ID this duck. Mm-hmm. Or I've had my brother send me pictures. What is this? I'm like Jesus Christ! Don't don't send that stuff because you just it makes you look so much worse. Right? Do the do the work and research. Yeah, you'll figure it out. Yeah, it's not hard to figure out. I want to touch back on your point, Brian. I'm sure we're getting close on time, but when you talked about the stuff we've do, you've done in the last five years, and that's something I I didn't start thinking about till recently. I'm 33. You're just turned 33. How old are you? 33. 33. So we're all 33. Uh-huh. And, and, and we look back and we, we see the cool stuff that other people have done. or like, I think there's a little bit of social media envy is kind of like a new problem that people are finding nowadays. And we look at you know all the stuff that other people get to do and stuff. But you think about it. We're 33. I've killed three bull elk. I've killed a bull moose. I duck hunted 35 days one year or whatever mm. and like done all this really cool stuff. And it, it's something you have to sit back and kind of think about every once in a while and appreciate the fact that yeah. you've gotten to do yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, you've been to Alaska. You've been to Alaska. Both of them have been to Alaska. And, and Brian's seen some pretty amazing stuff. You've been in the Brooks Range. That's someplace that 99% of the world is never going to make it to. Yeah. And you've even been in the Bering percentage. Sea. I mean, yeah, even higher. Yeah. <laughs> and you've been in the Bering Sea, and it's the same. Yeah. You know, not, not only been there, been there duck hunting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah that's, that's, that's the whole the difference. Weird thing is, what, are you, what are you going here with your gun? Yeah. So going to shoot ducks. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> even people there were probably like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's something that we have to sit back and. And I, I, I've been trying to do a better job of it lately is just sit back and appreciate the amount of stuff I have gotten to done do because the stuff that I have done is more than most people will get to do in their entire life. Yeah. And I'm yep. 33. Yeah. And don't, don't compare yourself to someone else in an unhealthy way. That's no. the other part of it. Just, just learn and do what you can yep. and, yeah. and put people around you that are doing it the right way. Yep. Put people around you that are giving hunting conservation in the outdoors a a a 
a good name and giving it kind of a good perspective on yeah. it. Because, I mean, we we it's always gets touched on. I've heard so many podcasts where it's touched on and people saying, well, there might come a day when this is taken away from us. But that's true. We're not worried about necessarily convincing the people who don't live this lifestyle that that are against it. Yeah, we're our goal is to convince the 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 massive group of people who don't care either way that what we do is good. Yeah, that what we do is a good thing. Yeah, and yeah. that's the most important part. And and I think I think it gets talked about a lot, but we don't really set back because we're like. Well, yeah, hunting might not exist, but that should be 30 years down the road and I'll have gotten my kicks yeah. in. And, is and that acceptable, though? Yeah, it's, no. it's especially yeah. Especially it's not when you have kids. I think right. about that yeah. all the time. Well, that's the whole goal in life, yeah. is, is what I, are we going to do for them? I think about it now already, as my oldest is turning six here in a week and my youngest is three and a half, and I think about my youngest and I'm like, Will he even be able to, like, will there be a general season tag for Elk Out West right. when he's of age? I don't think, I don't know if there will be because elk hunting is becoming so popular that it, I have a feeling that it's all going to turn into a lottery system. Mm-hmm. And and then you think of, like, the ducks, too. We've seen the ebb and flow of ducks even since the market hunting boom, the drop, the rise, and you see more drops and more rises. It's never steady. Yeah. If you watch, if you, anybody can go on Ducks Unlimited and you can look at the tables for over the years and there's, it, it comes and it goes and grouse right now in Minnesota is a huge concern. Yeah. Cause they're, there, is it the, the bird flu that they're getting or the West, West Nile, is West the Nile. Big, yeah. That's yeah. a big concern right yeah. now. And so like you, you think about stuff like that or like when we had John on and he's talking about the cam loopers, like yeah. my kids will never be able to catch cam looper unless we go to the West coast. Yeah. And like, there's a lot of things that like that I think people look at so short term and think of like, can I get catch a fish on this day when I'm here? Can I shoot this bird when I'm here? Can I get my limit? That's the big thing on duck things too. Did you limit out? Who gives a shit? doesn't matter. You had yeah. fun. That's all that matters. Yeah. Yep. And that's, you know, so there's, there's a lot to think about. And it's yeah. a lot. <laughs> I've always thought about that. If you're getting into hunting to kill animals, you're going to be disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It, I mean, d- you think about how many times I've sat in a deer stand versus how many deer I've shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And nobody would ever do it if that's what it was uh, for. Yeah. I, I mean, bear hunted in Minnesota for three years and I ended up shooting one in Montana. <laughs> so, <you're>, yeah. <laughs> With yeah. hunting, I think that it proves how much of a fool you really are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And yep. <laughs> I mean, does. time and time again, yeah. it's like, yeah. what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't ever get anything. Yeah. 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 So that's just something to think about, you know? Yeah. It's nearsightedness. Yeah. If that's what it is, like you said, is that acceptable for people to have that perspective that, yeah, well, maybe this won't be around in the future, but I'm going to get what I can out of it now. I mean, that, think about using that formula of thinking in any other area of life. Right. That wouldn't work in a relationship. That wouldn't work in a marriage. That wouldn't work in a friendship. And there's a big push years ago. You saw it a lot on social media and stuff where perspective started to change and people in the conservation world and anywhere started talking about legacy. Like, what's your legacy? Mm -hmm. Uh, Full Curl did that shirt for it and stuff like that. And you think about that, like legacy is never based on a short term item. It's never based on I, this guy killed this many elk in his life or this guy killed this. It's 
what did he do to help the future generations? Yeah. Or what did that person do to make a difference? Yeah. And going out and trying to get your limit every time or being disappointed that you didn't get your limit every time is not going to create any sort of legacy. And not that it really matters to a lot of people, but it's just something else to think about. It's yeah. like you, if you want to make a real difference, you're not going to make a difference by being the jock or the jackass that's going out there saying it's 200 inch or nothing. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, true. Yeah. I, I think we're so concerned about getting likes. Yep. Instead mm-hmm. of, yep. and you, it's that consumer aspect of that. It's in a way it's a validation that, yep. I can do this. It's fine. Yeah. But in the reality, you're you're consuming too. Yep. Yeah. And you're not giving anything back in return. Yeah. Yep. So instead of going to get all those likes, what about going to bring that next person in? Yeah. It doesn't have to be a kid. I actually have never um, done a, a, a youth, uh, yep. brought a youth out um, specifically. Uh, I hope to in yeah. the future. But I think that there that focus is is very much ingrained in our culture that I think a lot of people, a lot of adults can get the same thrill out of it. Yeah. Um, and they may have kids Yeah, and they may instill it on their kids. Right. Um, where that's, that's one of the bigger things or maybe one of the bigger things that I believe in is that everyone is a kid inside. You just got to unlock it or unleash it. it. And, That's that's why my focus is more on adults at this point. Hopefully, yep. kids. When you know, I have kids, sure. and you can bring your kids' friends out. Or yeah, yep, yep. But there's yeah. more to it, and and not only hunting, just outdoors in general. Yeah, because if you get somebody outdoors and they see something really cool, say they see they see a, a bluebill fly over them and makes them jump and they get really excited and then they go home and start re- researching bluebills and they start researching ducks in general and maybe then they'll turn into a, a diehard duck hunter yeah. or something mm-hmm. you know and just getting them outdoors i think is in wild places and even if that's a park in your neighborhood it doesn't have to be backpacking 14 miles because you're just going to drive that kid away yeah and that's I, that's where i saw my first bluebill yeah was in was in a park uh, hmm. you know, out, yeah. I mean, it was a hike, but that's where my dad took me. Yeah. Is, yeah. Do you want to see those decoys up in the rafters? Do you want to see what that bird looks like in real life? Let's go. That's cool. That's yeah. awesome. That's and cool. that's, that's what it comes down to. It's, yeah. it's yeah. taking them to those spots and you can do that. You can do that in the cities. It's amazing. Yeah. How many yeah. birds you actually see? I, it's kind of annoying. But in the spring, in the spring, you will see you will see fully plumed hooded mergansers. I got them in my pond every necks. spring. Yeah, <laughs> bluebills, yeah. canvasbacks, redheads, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> yeah. And they're right. They're in a drainage yeah. pond on the side of Highway yeah. ninety four or thirty five. Like, yeah. You can see that right here. Yeah. It's right here. Yeah. A- April and May. Driving around White Bear Lake, that area is yeah. one of my favorite places to go because those little those little overflow ponds get filled with birds mm-hmm. and yeah. just a variety. Yeah, and it's just cool, like you said. I just seeing the birds you don't normally get to see, and when you see them in the springtime too, oh, they're so yeah. bright and they're so colorful. It's just it's amazing to see. Yeah, and yeah, and that may be what it is: is you get a kid out to see something like that, or getting an adult to see something like that, and say. 
would you like to see one up close? Well, you got to shoot one. <laughs> so, right. yeah. so you're never going to catch that bastard. <laughs> yep. so, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's cool. I think we're tonight we're running short on time, and I think this kind of turned into a an overall waterfowl slash ethics slash pondering of life it's podcast. Kind of, yeah, it was kind of a bullshitting <laughs> which was Which is okay. You got to have those sometimes. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Um, but I wanted to, uh, I wanted to kind of maybe, maybe a story that could sum up a little bit what, what we've talked about, uh, and kind of encapsulate the whole thing. Don't be a dick. That, that, <laughs> that, and also Chad, you had the opportunity and you wrote a blog about it, but to take a gentleman that couldn't see. Yeah. Out waterfowl hunting. And would, would you mind just maybe here? we could close with that story because sure. that's kind of one of those things not only is it was just completely unbelievable but an experience i know like you'll never forget um but it kind of just it, it kind of grabs a hold of the whole feel of kind of what we've been talking about a little bit i think really well sure the so i actually volunteer most of my hunting season to disabled hunters in um Minnesota, but mostly specifically kind of around the cities. Um, this is actually kind of interesting, um, to touch on that is, um, before even my hunt, uh, the day before, um, there's a blind individual that he wanted to hunt. He is legally blind, um, but he's part of the organization and he asked if he could get out and go hunting. And, uh, one of the coordinators actually denied him and said, um, my, I'm not going to be able to get up and pick you up. Um, you're just not going to be able to go. And it's like, because it's, um, this guy kind of has a, one of those dick type of personalities where it's like, it's his hunt yeah. and you're just living in it. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, the coordinator that I usually work with, um, who's also disabled, <clears throat> He he got a call from this this guy that was blind and was saying, "Hey, um, do you have an opening tomorrow?" Because this the coordinator that I work with had an opening. He's like, "Yeah, come out. <laughs> um, do you need me to come pick you up?" And he's like, "Yeah, that's actually the, one of the main reasons why I was una- unable to go." Um, he's like, "Another thing is, do you have someone an able body, so someone that's physically able?" Um, such as me, you guys, um, to, you know, set out decoys, make the retrieves, um, pack up, um, et cetera, or in even helping them out, um, Mm -hmm. down to the blind, back out to their vehicles, um, you know, everything in between. Do you have someone that could help me shoot? Because, uh, the guy that I usually go with, he's unable to, to take me. And, And so, the, my buddy coordinator was like, yeah, I'll come and pick you up. We've got a couple guys that can take you out. So uh, sure enough, get set up that morning. And um, he was kind of giving me the rundown as far as how to help him shoot. Because he's completely it, blind. Le- yeah, like legally blind. He's yeah. got the the walking stick yep. and oh, everything. Geez. And it's it's crazy. He he. He sits, you sit down and he's like, all right, I can't see. So anything that I shoot, you need to know that it's a legal bird 
that can be shot. Yeah. And I'm joking around. Yeah, I'll make sure we shoot a red-tailed hawk for you. So. <laughs> 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 you didn't like that. <laughs> no, I, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is finally the time I can finally shoot one of those things. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, he, he, he gave me the rundown as far as how to, uh, you sit behind him. And you, you kind of, in a way, bear hug him and grab him around each of his arms and grab his forearms. And he has a gun shoulder and he has his head away. So you actually look down the barrel oh, of his okay. gun or down the bead. <clears throat> and you just pivot him almost like, I, I, I guess the best way to maybe describe it is like a World War II turret. Okay, yeah. Where you're, you're pivoting him. If you want to go down, you um, pull back and pull forward <clears throat> mm-hmm. and... He'll aim down, and so you start swinging. And um, the first couple flocks that came in, I was like, I, I can't do this. Like, we we need to practice. I, I'm so sorry. Like, these are perfect shots for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so I I practiced more and more and more with him, and I was like, okay, I think I got this. And so yeah, that um, uh, a pair came flying over and. Um, the Drake with just a couple simple clucks just peeled right off and which is not normal for a late season bird. Uh, usually in, in November mallards start pairing off. And if a Drake is with a hen in flight, he is not leaving her side. I don't know what got into him. But maybe he's like, oh, baby, look at all those hands. Yeah, yeah. I've been with this one for too long. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. She talks way too much. I can't it's over. That one seems quite to the point. <laughs> Just one or two quacks, that's all. So, yeah, yeah he, he peeled down. And sure enough, right when he was cupping up, I was like, I... I got him in position, got the swing on, and I was like, let it rip. And boom, shot fired. That thing folded up, done. I was like, <laughs> I, my jaw dropped. I, I have my hands in the air. My hands are literally in the air right now as I'm telling this story because it's, it's something that you, no one in their right mind will think, if I'm legally blind, there is no way I'll ever shoot a bird again. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, it's shooting a a. Any type of bird in the air is extremely challenging. Yep. When you're not legally blind. Yep. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so to to have that thrill with him, um, it, it I mean it it sounds so cliche, but it literally gives you a little bit of uh, goosebumps going yeah. up that yeah. we were able to do this. It's not me that helped him shoot it. It we we did this together and I'm so I was so happy because it was a it was a beautiful Drake and as soon as I, you know, the dog made the retrieve and again folded up nicely, put it right in his hands. You, you should see the I mean the smile on his face said everything. Yeah, is that for some guys it it's just being out there. For some, even better is to have that bird in your hand. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for a guy that is legally blind. He the last time he ever went out, I mean it he had a box of shells that had the label with it was a federal premium. 
that looked like it was from the 90s, like right when I first started hunting. Oh, and a wow. sticker on it that said Galleons, $7.99. Oh, I'm like, what? Oh, man. Galleons? <laughs> they were bought by Dick Sporting Goods way back in yeah. like when I was in high school. Like, wow. What? And, I mean, that that's what it was. Is That's probably how long it's been for him to actually get out. And wow. To, to offer that opportunity to him, um, you can't take that away. And that's something that hopefully he, he will cherish because in the end it's, it's about them. Yeah. It, it's about giving them the opportunities to, to make things. And for the guy that denied him, I, I mean, I, I feel sorry for him because that karma, man. Yeah. 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 That's so cool. Yeah, that, that's one of those things you hear stories like that and you kind of realize that, like you said, that's what it's all about is to experience maybe just a handful of those type of things in your life in the outdoors. If you, if you could just take at the end of your life, you know, open up your hand and try to count out five things that you remember that just stuck with you. That meant so much. And that, you know, something like that, is definitely one of those things that I just think it's just kind of like, that's what it's about. And if, if you could take any of the most experienced or least experienced people in the outdoors and put them in that situation and let them witness that they, it, it might do something to them, you know, just emotionally. And yeah, it's just, it's just so cool that that's one of the coolest stories. When you wrote that story and I read it, I was like, that is just, yeah, that's the kind of thing that you, that you want to hear about like i i kind of am getting tired of like we shot 30 geese yeah we shot i shot a 197 inch buck and all that stuff is cool oh it's, it's great it's great i mean that's but high it, five material right yeah, there. yeah it's awesome but it but but you know i i I'd rather hear about a story like that than that guy killed his 15th 200 inch buck today. You know, it's like, right. well, that's awesome. Yeah. But this is like, this is life changing. This changed somebody's life. Yep. You know, this is something that's not necessarily even about that transcended the killing of an animal. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, that was something that was like a, a core experience that, I, you know, and I just think it's super cool. I think it kind of sums up a little bit about what we talked about tonight. And I know we've got a ton of technical stuff we wanted to talk about. I think we'll um, shoot for doing another podcast where we can really focus in on the technical sides of some of the things that Chad has learned over the years. And um, we wanted to talk about dogs some. We'll talk about that on the next one. We don't want to get these too long, um, but. And everybody knows by now that we're really awesome at staying on track right, right. super stuff. awesome at it. yeah we need we need like just a random guy who sits here that does Slaps isn't us. on the podcast that when when anybody anybody starts rambling he's just like snaps his fingers That's like right. get back to it that would take the fun out of it it would, it would. I, when, it I, would. when people ask like god oh, it's gotta be pretty cool to do podcasts i'm like yeah it's just you know Bunch sitting of friends around. sitting around bullshitting. Right. Talking. It's yep. what it is. And yeah. it's that's uh, those those are the podcasts I enjoy the most yep. too when I listen. I don't like I'm not big on the gear review ones or anything like that. Yeah. It's cool to yep. hear the stuff, but at the same time, I like when they just sit around and tell stories more than anything. Yeah. Right? You connect with it. Yeah. It connects with you. Yeah. You know, and so Chad, thanks for thanks for coming out tonight yeah. and we'll maybe we can 
if we do another one, uh, well, when we do another one, we'll come your way. We'll come to you with the gear since we're portable, and that'd be. Um, Jake got lost on the way here. Yeah, <laughs> the GPS was serious. <laughs> so helpful. That. That's all right, though. It gave Brian and I more time to get frustrated with bows and arrows. Yeah, yeah. So, guys, thanks for tuning in. Um, let us know. Uh, give us give us some feedback a little bit. Chad's gonna probably be with us. Um, uh, you know, in, in generally on some other podcasts that we've got coming up, and we've talked a little bit about having him on. He's just a cool guy. Um, like-minded when it comes to outdoors, uh, the outdoors and hunting in general. So um, there's going to be a few people that you'll hear from on a regular basis. I think Chad's probably going to be one of those guys with us, and it's going to be kind of an honor. So, man, it was a it was an honor having you on yeah, tonight. thank you. Yeah. I appreciate yeah, it. I, I would tell everybody to go and check out Chad's Instagram, too, because you see For some sure. pretty cool stuff, and it's just C Fixer. F-I-X-E-R, but he's got some pretty cool pictures from Alaska and even around here. And and Chad's, we didn't get into it tonight, and it's probably a good thing, but Chad's become one heck of a forager, too. Getting there. <laughs> yeah. He had a pretty good <laughs> spring, sure. man. Yep. And I, was, awesome. I kept messaging him, like, God damn it, I'm jealous. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It's awesome. So, yeah, maybe we can get more into that later, and, and maybe we'll touch base here once the season starts to roll around closer and kind of run through some more technical stuff, like you sure. said, and, and uh, probably end up just bullshitting more, but that's yeah. all right, too. It's okay. People will enjoy yeah. it. So. <laughs> well, cool. Well, thanks a lot, guys. We'll catch you on the ne- next episode. Original music for this podcast was created by Nakota Rankin. This podcast is edited, mixed, and mastered by Nakota Rankin. Thank you.